On today's Core Vision, I have on a very special guest, professional basketball player David Weaver. He plays for the Kumamoto Volters over in Japan. A great interview with David. We talk about his high school career, his recruiting process, his time playing at Wake Forest, and his time playing professional basketball overseas in Europe, Turkey, Israel, and now currently in Japan. Awesome interview with David. Really enjoyed talking to him. Very well-spoken man. Um, and just has a lot of great stories to share about his journeys and where he's been and where he's played. And he also even talks about playing against his idol, Amari Stoudemire. Awesome interview talking with David. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Here is David. On today's Court Vision, I welcome on David Weaver. He's a professional basketball player in Japan. David, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that we're able to set this up. Uh, for the listeners out there, David is a basketball player in Japan, and him and I were trying to set up a time schedule between both of us that worked. And it was a little difficult, but we got there. <laughs> yeah, these time differences were uh, trying to be uh, kind to us this time, so we figured it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got it right. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to have you on, and I'm excited to hear uh, your story and uh, talk basketball with you. All right. Yeah, ma'am. You can ask away anything you <laughs> want to know. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with: At what age did you know basketball was your sport? Um, I feel like uh, I kind of figured out basketball was my thing when I was around uh, 14 years old. Um, before that I was a heavy baseball player and, um, I was a pitcher and played first base and I had a feeling I was one of the better players in the area and, uh, I could throw the ball so hard. And then after, uh, like my eighth grade year, I hit a major growth spurt. I went from like maybe five eleven to about six, five in like over a summer. So <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I walked into the freshman uh, freshman doors and a uh, high school coach was like, "Yeah, you need to play varsity basketball." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of um, kind of made that decision for me a little bit. And um, when the spring came around, I started playing baseball, JV baseball, but it just didn't have the I don't know the same you know snap or the same pizzazz as before. And um, I was playing AAU basketball, um, and it was kind of conflicting with my baseball schedule. So um, my dad, he asked me one night, he was like, hey, man, what do, you, what do you really see yourself doing in the long run? And I was having a little bit more success with basketball. So you know what? I just I shut it down with baseball. And uh, I've been basketball every day almost for the last, what, 18 years. So. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Though that worked out for you like that. That's a that's a crazy jump and growth though for over a summer. <laughs> oh yeah, and it made me change positions basketball wise too. I was a in seventh grade. Um, I was a little bit smaller than everybody, and um, I was maybe about five nine or something like that. And I was more of a guard and just running around and things. And then I come back eighth grade, and all of a sudden like I'm. I'm approaching up to like six two, and like my middle school coach was like, "Uh, yeah, you need to kind of go on the block." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, by the time basketball season comes around, uh, my freshman year, I was six seven and a half. 
So, yeah, I, I really shot up. So I went from basically a two guard to a center <laughs> all, within, like, all within one year. That's crazy. I think I grew like three inches all within like a, a, a year or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, it was cool. It made uh, it made baseball a little bit harder too, cause my strike zone was so much bigger. Like uh, they would just throw it at my knees, and I'm looking at the umpire like, "That's not a strike." But he's like, "Yeah, it is for everybody normal size." So, <laughs> yeah, I was getting some strikeouts. I was like, "This is just not for me anymore." Yeah, understandable too. Like, that's thanks too when they're just thrown below your below your waist. You can't even hit it. You have to golf at that point. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, so was there a player that you modeled yourself after like or a player that you you had like a favorite player growing up that you look up to that you wanted to be like well i mean i guess everybody had that childhood dream of you know maybe wanting to be like michael jordan and stuff like that <laughs> I, I guess that's what sparked my early interest in basketball but once i got to high school and things i was like i was really hearing a lot of buzz around um amari stoudemire and I knew this guy was coming out of high school and I don't say he had like a great rookie year. And, you know, I just love the way like, you know, he played pick and roll, high flyer, just punishing the rim. And I was like, you know what? I want to be like him. And um, I always told myself, I'm just going to dunk it as hard as I can, fly up and down the court. So I tried to model my game after him, you know, and um, it's funny. Um, I actually got a chance to uh, play against him uh, last season in Israel. Wow. And, um, you know, I didn't want to run up to him and be like, hey, you know, I tried to be like you my whole career, but, you know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to like, scare him or make him be like, this guy's kind of weird. But it was kind of surreal to be like, I'm finally sharing the court with somebody I kind of, you know, kind of idolized coming through, even though he was only a few years older than me. Yeah, that must have been a really cool experience just to even play, be on the same court with him and play against him, especially when it's the player that you grew up idolizing too. Which is- yeah, we uh, we were playing at their place, and uh, they were beating us kind of good. And I don't know, I kind of – I set a pick, I rolled to the basket, and I kind of like took off a little bit inside like the free throw line. And like I dunked one of his guys pretty hard, man. <laughs> so but <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty crazy play. And then uh, – I'm, as I'm running down the court, like I see Amari, like I just see his reaction, like, like, yo, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and, like, and then uh, after the game, like he was like, yo, I see you flying through the air, big fella. And I was like, all right, that was, that was kind of cool, you know. That he he saw that, so that's really you know, cool. so, yeah, that's a surreal moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, and so when you so speaking of dunking, did, what was the first time you ever dunked in a game? Uh, I dunked in a game. Um, I want to say AAU. Um, the summer between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, I got one in the game. But I could dunk at the beginning of my eighth grade year. Um, you know, before that, I was like in seventh grade, I could jump up there and touch the rim and things. But eighth grade, I could really mash it with a like a volleyball. But I ended up. Uh, we had a pep rally in eighth grade. And um, I was kind of like saving this big secret and everything. I've been practicing with like my point guard and stuff. And we come out, we're doing two line layups, and he just throws one up. And I just come up and I just mash it in front of everybody. And everybody's like, what is going on here? Eighth grader can dunk. But I never got a chance to really break away and, you know, do it in the game that young. And it took me a while until I got to like, you know, to high school, my freshman year to really be able to just get, you know, get something in the game kind of easily. So. Uh, yeah, I mean that's still pretty cool to be dunking in eighth grade. And stuff like yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
it got to a point where people didn't even care about like if we won or lost. They were like, "Did you dunk?" I'm like, well, <laughs> like, well, I had twenty points, but but did you dunk though? <laughs> so, I'm like, no, I didn't dunk. <laughs> we lost the game too. Does that matter? No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I really just want to win this game and not worried about <laughs> dunking every game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, what was? What was your recruiting process like coming out of high school? Like, how many colleges took a look at you and how many noses did you get? Well, that's the thing. My recruiting process was a little uh, unorthodox because um, I committed really, really early to Wake Forest. I committed after my my sophomore year. And um, looking back at it, I really didn't know much about the process. But um, after, uh, let's say, my freshman year – I was still kind of coming into my own a little bit, but I played um, AAU basketball and I really had a really good summer, man. I I was playing really good basketball. Our team, the Forest City Heat, we were just running through everybody in North Carolina. And um, I actually had an NBA point guard on my my team, Ishmael Smith. Um, Yeah, yeah, he's from Charlotte and uh, we played, uh, played together when we were that young and I mean, I really had a good summer. And then coming back into um, my sophomore year, um, we ended up um, winning the conference and going into the playoffs and things um, because my freshman year, we were 2-23. and 23. So <laughs> that next year, like, I really, really caught a lot of notes because we won the conference and won the playoffs. And I, I really killed it that following summer as well. And I was getting letters from – pretty much everybody you could think of at the, at the time. Um, I had offers from several ACC schools, um, some Big Ten schools, um, but I just didn't really know how to attack the process. But um, I knew that Wake Forest, you know, was a place that Tim Duncan had win and Muggsy Bogues, and I knew it was ACC. And, um, you know, Coach Prosser came up to me, and he was just like, hey, man, like, we'll think you'd be a great fit here. And I came down for a couple of visits, and next thing I know, I'm I'm looking at ESPN. They're putting out like the um, the preseason polls for the, you know, and they're talking about Wake Forest would be preseason number one, and you know, all these draft picks. I'm like, I'm like, what what's going? On? I didn't know they were that good. I only yeah. knew about Carolina and Duke being good in ACC, and uh, from there, man, it just um, I was like, well, really, what am I waiting for? These guys could be preseason number one, and I don't know. I just kind of shut it down, man. It just kind of was like home to me. So I really didn't get a chance to entertain any of the other schools um, at a significant, significant level. Wow, that's 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 super interesting too because you just, you went right into it. And like, yeah, yeah, I um, I mean, I took a few visits. Um, I did uh, had an official offer from NC State. I went to visit them as well. Um, University of Tennessee. Um, Virginia Tech was a little interested, and Clemson as well, and some smaller schools as well. But those are ones I really like. Went and took official visits to, and and things, or well, unofficials as well. So, but yeah, Wake Forest, man, it just seemed like, yeah, <laughs> it seemed like that was the spot for me. I, I was playing AAU with the uh, North Carolina Gators, and uh, my teammate had actually uh, committed to go as well. So he he called me up. He's like, hey man, we just yeah, we've known each other for years. We might as well go ahead and do this college thing together. So I'm like, hey, man, why not? 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. And that teammate was that Ish Smith as well? Uh, no, actually, that was uh Kevin Swinton. Um, Kevin he was there for two years and then he ended up transferring. Um, but um, it's funny. Um, I actually um played AAU, you know, with Ishmael Smith, but before that, um, LD Williams actually played with our AAU team, and uh, he ended up bouncing around to a few other AAU programs, but. We all knew each other. We were all North Carolina guys, all the same age, uh, even though I was a little bit early for my grade, so I played a year above them. Um, but, yeah, they ended up um, – Ishmael Smith ended up getting some offers you know, right after I did, you know, and uh, L.D. Williams ended up following. And, yeah, man, it was, it was kind of cool to go to a place that everyone enjoyed and we all knew each other from before. And um, I think at one point, I think maybe like 90% of the roster was North Carolina guys. Wow, that's really cool. That's that. <laughs> yeah. So that made it uh, That made it a great transition to know guys you already knew. And, of course, they were playing good basketball as well. So Yeah, that definitely helps out. So that's that's really cool that you guys all were able to play together. And even in it to be a North Carolina like brand, almost of these guys coming in there. From, yeah, of course, man. That was cool. That is really cool. And what was like your like your first time stepping onto the court at at uh like playing in a game? What what, what was that like at like at Wake Forest? Um, <laughs> it was man. I was nervous. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> like uh, you know, you see it on TV and everything. You're like, ah, man, I'm not gonna be scared. You know, I played. You know, I played in big games and stuff like that. But it might even have been like a exhibition game I believe against Mars Hill my freshman year and like I don't know it was maybe it wasn't even it might have been half it was that that was uh (laughs) I was kind of looking around I was like man even though this thing is half full there's like 10,000 people in here (laughs) and uh, you know you're sitting there on the sideline waiting to check in you're just kind of looking around like oh boy I don't know it just kind of set in it was kind of surreal you know you're like hey I'm I'm really playing college basketball you know but then (laughs) You know, fast forward that, you know, a couple of years, you're playing in front of like 22, 23,000 people and you don't even see anybody in the stands. It's just, it comes second nature. You're just out there just playing and it doesn't bother you at all. You know, that, so that's crazy. And what was the, like, that's like, obviously, that's a crazy feeling because like you played in some, being in the ACC, you guys are playing in some major stadiums like a North Carolina and a Duke. Like, you know, what, what, what's those like, what are those like as a freshman and as like like you said as you go on you don't really notice it but like as a freshman are you like shaking as you walk in that place or what's um, well uh, I think you're so hyped up to play the game you're not really worried about like the nervousness of the atmosphere you're just kind of like hey we we have a team that we need to beat so you're focused on the on the other guys but it was kind of interesting when like because uh, I redshirted my freshman year. So I got a chance to kind of take everything in without having to step on the court. So I'd be sitting there on the bench at Duke, and I'm just looking around like, this place is freaking nuts. Like, <laughs> like it's unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I kind of should be paying attention to the game, but I'm just kind of looking around. I'm like, man, there's Coach K down there yelling at us. You know, the camera crazies are all organized and booing us off the floor and, yeah, or you'll be at Maryland or something and, you know, people are screaming at me, throwing popcorn at me. And I'm like, I'm redshirted. Stop talking to me. I'm not even in the game. And, uh, 
you know, you see like this big student section wall and you're just looking up like, man, this is college basketball, man. This is, this is really cool, you know, but then when, you know, when I was actually playing, um, a couple of years later, you know, we were really good and highly ranked and things. I remember playing at Duke when, you know, both of us were really fighting for like ACC position at the top and man, it was just rocking in there. You couldn't hear anything. And, you know, you make a run and they call timeout, the band's playing in Cameron or, you know, we're, um, we're playing like at Clemson where we're like the two undefeated teams left in the country, but we didn't know it because everybody else had lost. So the crowd knew what we were playing for, but we didn't. Yeah. So, um, they call timeout after we make a run and the place is just deafening. Like coach just kind of, he started talking and then he just stopped and he just looked around and he just put his hands in there like, oh, well, I, <laughs> I can't talk to you guys because, I mean, it's too loud. And he said, just go play, you know. So going from freshman year, just kind of looking around and being kind of amazed. But and then a couple of years later, being engulfed in it and just not even really letting it phase you still going out there and knocking down free throws and making plays without even, you know, with any kind of consciousness. It's pretty cool, man. It's, there's nothing like college basketball in ACC. Yeah, I, I like especially now too. Like they, they added more teams like Syracuse. Oh no, my god! What it's like to be a part of that, and then like now. Oh my gosh! Like, you're playing against Duke of North Carolina. You're playing you're beating up on each other every night. It, yeah, I mean it was already tough because at that time, I think when we came through. The ACC was loaded from top to bottom. You can have a bottom-ranked team beat Duke or Carolina or any night. It doesn't matter. If you're going somewhere, it's sold out. It's prime time. It's ESPN, you know, Thursday night basketball. But then when you add Syracuse, Louisville, and all these in Pitt and Notre Dame, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, how do you expect us to get out of the conference and get into the tournament? We're just beating up on each other every night. You know, but, you know, it does it does show how strong the conference is because you can still beat up on each other. But when you get out of the conference, you get into the tournament or you play like a preseason games, you know, you just destroy other conferences, players, you know, because, you know, you're just so battle tested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always fun. It's always good basketball to watch. And I feel like ACC always produces like at least they at least get like between seven and ten teams in the NCAA tournament. For sure. That says a lot about the conference itself. And uh, I always have, like, this debate when I'm playing with somebody, either a teammate or a guy on another team, and they'll start talking about the Big East and ACC rivalry back and when we were coming through. And I'm like, you know, the Big East was – Big East was tough. They had some teams coming through, the Syracuses and UConns and – Georgetowns, they had they had some they had some juggernauts, but you also always had like eighteen teams in the Big East. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like man, if you got eighteen teams or something like that, you, of course you're gonna get seven eight player you know teams in there. Yeah, but I mean your top your top seven are legit, but your bottom is not as strong. But you yeah. come to the ACC, I mean your bottom team could be I don't know. Virginia or something, but or Virginia Tech. How many times did Virginia Tech upset Duke? Yeah, <laughs> they beat them every time. It seemed like so. I mean, you it was never just a cakewalk. So I always thought pound for pound, the ACC was just the best conference, hands down. 
Yeah, it, it's, I mean, being so close to, like, in New England, obviously, where I live, then, like, being so close to the Big East, I always root for Big East, but I cannot. Of course. You can't not not watch ACC basketball in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to watch it. You have to. I mean, you, I mean, I always turned into Big East basketball. If it was a good matchup, I'm watching it. Yeah. But, you know, it might be, I mean, there might be a game where, you know, Rutgers is playing UConn. You're like, uh, okay, we kind of know how this is going to end up, or, you know, somebody's playing Syracuse at Syracuse. You're like, well, you know how that's going to end up. Yeah. But yeah. you never know. Like, you might be watching Florida State play Duke, and you'll be like, well, you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Florida, State, Florida State might do this thing. Next thing you know, Clemson might upset Duke, and NC State's going to beat somebody, you know, even though they're not ranked. And it was just always a question mark every matchup. Yeah, it's always it's always a battle, and you never you never know what's gonna happen. And like like you said, was, you yeah, you're playing, you're, you're, you were experiencing that. And like, do you have a favorite moment where you, you remember being in the ACC or any game that you experienced that was like one of your favorite moments or favorite games that you played in? Um, I think uh, the most memorable, and I, I don't know, like I have a lot of them, but. I remember playing Duke at home when uh, I believe they were number, I think Duke was number one and we were number four or they might've been number three and we were number four. It was a, oh man, it was just, it was, we were both highly, highly ranked. And you're talking about the energy in that place. It was just buzzing. It was raucous. It was, it was loud playing high level basketball, man came down to like the last play and like you know we had an out of bounds play and James Johnson slipped to the basket and got a, and got um and put us up like two or three oh man it was just unbelievable and um just a knock off a number one team is already kind of special but you know we were good too we we're looking for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament we were still undefeated it was just oh man it was everything to us like even though we won the game and we're shaking each other's hand like, you know, you want to, you know, you want to storm the court and everything. But <laughs> we 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 had to act like we had been there before. We like put our business face on, like, yep, yep, yep. We just beat you guys and just walk like. But inside, you're like, yeah, we just beat these guys, man. Like, <laughs> like that was a that was a pretty pretty big win, and um, I think uh, that was that was one of the most memorable, man. We had Dickie Vitale calling the game. Primetime, ESPN. It's just, it doesn't get much better than that, man. Definitely, definitely not. And what's it, what's it like to be a part of like a team that's like a top ranked so high? <laughs> you know, like what's like you know you have all eyes on you. So like, what is that like? Man, it's um, it's kind of cool that we went to Wake Forest because we were kind of isolated from all the hype and things because Wake Forest only has four thousand undergrad. So it's a really small school and like everybody kind of knows everybody. So when you're walking in a cap and things, you know, people are not really amazed because they're like, oh, my God, that's the basketball team. We never see them. No, 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 no. We see the same people every day. So people just come up to you like, you know, they're just your boys. You're your friends. They're just like come up to you and like not thinking of you as like superstars, even though you're the number one team in the country, you know, but I couldn't imagine being like. I don't know, number one and playing at Florida where they have probably 35,000 people, 
and like eh, like the whole Gainesville is like just looking at you like you can't go to McDonald's without people swarming you because you play you know it's like football or basketball there like I don't know but Wake Forest was kind of kind of different man because it's a tight-knit community and they already respect you and they always looked up to you anyway so it was um yeah, it was a little bit muffled. We kind of kept some of the noise out, and it didn't get too crazy, which was, you know, you kind of want it, but at the same time, you don't want all that celebrity because, you know, it can kind of sidetrack you from your goals. And, um, but looking back at it, man, we had uh, we had a lot of talent, and I think we could have been more Hollywood than we were, but you know, we had a good group of character guys. So, That's- yeah. We took it in stride, man. That's that's good. I mean, yeah, like you said, I I didn't realize that uh, Wake Forest is that small of a school, so I can only. So that's kind of that's kind of nice. I kind of like it's nice that you like you know know everyone on campus just about, and it's not as crazy as I. I mean, I think that'd be a little you know a lot of a little much if you're going out to McDonald's when it's just like storms. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be definitely overwhelming. Like if your cafeteria holds, I don't know how many people, you know, and. You can't even go get a slice of pizza in the cafe because everybody's mobbing you. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember we uh, we beat Clemson on the road and we ended up being the number one team. And I went to class the next day. And after I got some breakfast, I'm just sitting there by myself. And people were just kind of like, yo, congrats on the game last night. You know, it wasn't like they weren't excited for us, but they were just like, yo, like we're behind you. And, you know, we're just we're close and we're cool. And we just kind of look at you guys like regular folks, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too much like celebrity. And, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, you kind of wanted that. You kind of wanted to get mobbed or something, you know, walking to the calf after you got a big win. But, yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> kind of mellow. Yeah. That's kind of nice. I mean, I'm sure it would be awesome a few times, but maybe it would get a little tiring after a while if you just want to just go to the calf and eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what was it like playing in the NCAA tournament, you know, both in 2009, 2010, what's that atmosphere like? What's that feel like? It's, it's completely different to any other game that you play. And I know people might say that and it might sound cheesy or stereotypical, but there's a different buzz around the NCAA tournament, man. There's just, there's media, there's fans flying in, you know, you're staying in hotels, you're getting police escorts to the game and, you're looking over there, you see celebrities in the crowd and you know you got to win or you're going home. And it's just, it's pressure, but it's good pressure. You kind of want it because you want to perform. But, you know, we had a couple memorable moments in the NCAAs, which, you know, really stood out and made it kind of special for us. Um, you know, that um, at first, um, first time in 2008, 2009, we had a big upset. <laughs> which is very memorable for us and <laughs> kind of still stings, but, um, yeah. you know, losing to a 13 seed when you're, you know, one of the favorites to go to the final four, was kind of like, whoa, like yeah. this, this shows like the NCAA is no joke. Everybody is good. Everybody not be as good as you think, but they're all good teams and you can go home any night. And for you to actually make a run in this thing is truly magical and you got to have a lot of focus. So, you know, and yeah, we had a very dominant team and went out in the first round. It wasn't even a game. It was, yeah, they just waxed us. And then, 
coming back the following year, you know, after losing a couple of draft picks and James Johnson and Jeff Teague, you know, we battled our way back. And we stumbled a little bit coming into the tournament, and they they throw us with the eight um, with the eight seed, and we're like, okay, you know, we're just gonna have to fight through it. We uh, we hit a buzzer beater to beat Texas, and then we run into Kentucky Blue, <laughs> where where they have Demarcus Cousins, John Wall, Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of like. You know, you kind of put on your hard hat and you're like, you know what? Let's go to work. Like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they kind of, yeah, I think I got like the first points of the game or something like that. I, I was in a pick and roll in a fast break. I come through and I dunk it real hard, just boom. And I'm like, okay, yeah, crowd's going crazy. And we come down and I think someone else got another dunk. We're like, yeah, we're in this thing. And then like Coach Kyle Perry calls a timeout. And then they proceed to beat us by 30, 40 points. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah. You're looking, you're looking over in the crowd and you see Drake over there. He's just, <laughs> he's cheesing real hard, probably writing rhymes. And John Wall's pointing at him doing his Dougie every time he scores. And yeah, it was just like, oh man, it's just an avalanche of Kentucky blue fans on you. And then you realize, hey, this, uh, this ride's over, man. You know, as special as it is, and you're taking all the moments, it, it's gone in one game. That's, you know? And that's that's a crazy feeling in itself, too, because you you know you're a four year player at Wake Forest. Um, what 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 runs through your mind after that ride is over with? Man, it's yes. like you you think about it prior to the game, or you know, in your senior seniors, and you're like you're like, man, this um this is gonna be my last ride, but it doesn't really hit you until you're sitting there in the locker after you just lost or you won. Well, I would I never had the feeling of winning your last game. But <laughs> but you know, you're sitting there, you're like, man, I don't get I don't get to do this anymore. Like I don't I don't get to go to practice. I don't I don't get to put on black and gold and, you know, get blew out by forty or win by forty. Like it you won't be able to play with these same guys. Um, you know, your brothers, I mean, you it's kinda different than with pro basketball where, you know, you might be on the team with a guy for a couple months because they made trades or it's really hard for you to build relationships with guys for four years. Yeah. But, you know, I've known most of those guys, you know, most of my life, you know, so going all the way back to middle school and high school and you're like, man, I don't, I don't get a chance to share the locker room with these guys stories. And, you know, it's kind of, you kind of want to break down. I mean, some people cry, some people don't, you know, I don't know. I don't remember if I cried or not, but, yeah, I was probably crying on the inside for sure. Like, yeah. man, this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a weird. It's got to be a weird feeling of after you know, and then you have that big like what if after everything. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't know what the future is going to hold. You know, you want to play professional basketball. I mean, some guys, you know, they kind of like already know what they're going to do. You know, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to NBA draft. We're going to go play NBA, and so their their mind is probably somewhere else. You know, but. You know, for other guys, you know, you just don't know. You're like, can I go play overseas? Can I can I crack the league? Or, you know, am I just gonna graduate and then, you know, go into the workforce, you know? It's a yeah. lot of a lot of ifs, you know, that kind of run through your mind within those, you know, couple of days after you play and you're just like, All right, well, you know, this ride's over and you know, let's get ready for the next step. So did you have any uh, draft workouts going in before the NBA draft or anything like that? No, I really didn't. Um, I mean, I think um, 
Yeah, I saw some uh, draft boards type thing with prospects in ACC, and I saw a couple write-ups about, you know, myself. And, you know, the thing was, I mean, I didn't play a lot when I was at Wake, man. We, man, we had a stat roster. And, like, I believe at one point we had six guys or seven guys above, like, six, eight. So, like, it was a it was a log jam. We were the biggest team in the country, man. And I remember having, like, conversations with the coaches. And they're like, man, we're trying to carve out playing time. But it's like, where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, like, the stellar, you know, college career that some of my counterparts had. And so, for me, I was like – I mean, am I going to get some, you know, NBA workouts or agents going to call me? And, you know, like my coaches gave me feedback and they're like, well, you know, we think you're an NBA player. You have NBA skill set and athleticism. You know, it's just it's a tough sell, you know, when, you know, you're not averaging 10 points a game or all conference or things like that. where you're only playing like 13, 14 minutes a game. It's it's a little tough to convince those guys to, to throw uh, NBA tryouts at you. But. You know, it is what it is. You know, I um, I was like, well, if I can't crack this NBA thing, you know, I'm, I'm gonna try to do my best overseas if that if that's a door I can open. You know. Yeah, and how that now? How did you get like? So your first time playing in the league was Lithuania, right? Yeah, I uh, well, actually, I had spent uh, a little time in Greece in the preseason um, with them, um, but at that time, uh, I don't, I don't mean to like bash Greek basketball, but not, not, well, I don't mean to bash the basketball. It's, it's unbelievable. It's a beautiful brand of basketball. They really know how to play. The league is unbelievable, but it's not the most professional league. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bad deals and non-payments and bad living conditions. And, eh, I didn't have a very professional team and I ran into a lot of hardships like my first couple of months in the preseason out there. So ended up cutting ties with those guys. And, um, I, you know, I was blessed to have a coach that, um, wanted to take a chance on me in Lithuania. He actually, um, it was actually a, like a two week tryout. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and uh, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was like they, they I mean it was uh it was supposed to be like 10 days or or something like that and they would let me know and then um after the 10 days I kind of I had a game that night and I'm thinking like, oh man they're going to call me the next day and you know maybe they're going to tell me yes or no but I think I I think I'm doing pretty good. And my agent called me and said, "Man, they want to see another game." And I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you know, your whole career is kind of riding on this game and you're you're hoping that they can take a chance on you because if, you know, you end up not having a strong, solid rookie season overseas, you can end up, you're basically, your career's over. I mean, because um, GMs and presidents don't want to take chances on guys that haven't played a complete year, especially their first year. So um, I ended up playing really well that next game and they signed me for the season, man. I've end up playing Euro Cup, which is a very high level, uh, played very well. And, yeah, I really made my name for myself, man. Um, I really got the chance to showcase some of the things that I wasn't able to do during my college career, just, you know, simply just with opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and you uh, – I read that you averaged 11 – like tw- almost 12 points a game and six boards a game, and you made the all-star team, and you were in a dunk contest too. So like, what's it like, how is like the Lithuania fame fan base and what's like, what's it like out there for 
people like us who don't know what like you know, <laughs> games every day. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different than what the Ball brothers might say, or the <laughs> Lavar and them. They had a different experience than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, when uh, as soon as you get off the plane, um, the GM for my team he picks me up and he has his assistant with him because he doesn't speak English. So he comes and he sits down beside me and he's like, um, he says something in Russian or Lithuanian and he translates and is like, you know, you're in a basketball country, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's the first thing you say to me. <laughs> and they're like, yes, basically everybody in this country knows basketball. They know how to play it. They know, you know, what's right and wrong. They've probably played it themselves and we take a lot of pride. We don't have any other sports, really. We just, we play basketball. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's a little bit of pressure, but, <laughs> you know, um, I can I can stand by it. Lithuanians know how to play basketball. You watch them in the World Cup or you watch them in the Olympics, man, they they move the ball, man. They, they know how to play it the right way. They're all very skilled. They can pass. They can shoot. They're very big and strong. They know tactics. It's a beautiful brand of basketball, and it, it fit into how I like to play because Wake Forest, we like to play really fast, up-tempo, pick-and-rolls, high-flying basketball. That's what they love to do there, too. So it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was a no-brainer. Once I got out there, I started playing with some of those guys. Um, looking back at it, as a rookie, you really don't know the business side or the importance yeah. of something, yeah, certain games and things. And, like, I, I played in three different leagues in Lithuania, the Lithuanian League, the Baltic League, and Euro Cup. I had no idea what the difference between all those were. I just knew we had a game coming on. Um, and we had to use a different ball for every game. I don't know. One used Spalding, one used Nike, one used Molten. I'm just like, what ball are we playing with? But <laughs> if I, I would have known what I would know now, I, I wouldn't say I would average more, but I would average more. <laughs> I would have took things a little bit more seriously because I knew the importance of, let's say, playing in Euro Cup because that's that was like the second highest level in Europe at the time. So um, yeah. I had some really good games, but I didn't really know how important that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, like, it's it's got to be tough, too, because that's something we don't grow up watching. So we don't really yeah. understand, like, you know, the importance of, like, their games. And, like, I've spoken to, I've also spoken to a couple guys that played in, like, have, are, are playing in Europe right now or have played in Europe. And they were, like, the Balkan League and the Euro. Euro. I'm like, I don't know. What does that mean? What's the Balkan League? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, man. It's a, it's, it's a different game, but it's, it's very similar. It's very, very um, different, but it's very competitive and, yeah, it has a lot of importance, man. A lot of prestige with it. So, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wish I could go back in the time machine and go back and play it again because ever since then I've been kind of striving to get back to that to that level of basketball. You know, but um, being I did play well, you know, my rookie year, I did open up a lot of doors. Um, um, you know, I always kind of pride myself on. I've, I've kind of had, you know, better careers and some guys that I've known that I played against in college or whatever that were let's say maybe more highly touted or ranked and all that stuff you know I've had a I've had a stronger career pound for pound than some of those guys you know I'm like well you know because I started off on the right foot once I got to Europe yeah yeah and, that, and that's crazy too because then you that 
when you say it opens a lot of doors, you end up playing in Poland and Germany and Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I um my second year when I played in Poland, um, I actually played for a Lithuanian coach who was a nat- uh, he was a national team player. Um, mm-hmm. and he had heard about me just because he's Lithuanian. And um yeah, he knew the style of play, if it exactly with him, and he's like Lithuania has a high prestige. So if you do well there, it carries weight with other countries. They're like, oh, man, he can survive there. He can he can play in other places, no problem. Um, and, um, yeah, Lithuania is a league like that. Spain, um, Italy, Russia, um, Greece for sure. Those are kind of staple leagues that can make you break your career. And um, looking back, um, I had a great experience in Poland. Um and we were on a very, very strong team. We had probably had a chance to win the league. Um, lost uh, lost a heartbreaker in the playoffs, and it kind of derailed some things. And But, yeah, man, um, it opened up a lot of doors. Like my first couple of years, man, I, I really kind of skyrocketed. And, yeah, it was, um, it was totally different to what I thought it would be. And it was a lot different than what people thought I was capable of doing. Um, because people are like, oh, man, you barely played at Wake Forest. How is he, you know, how is he pro basketball player? I'm like, well, it's not necessarily about that. It's about skill set and, you know, your determination and discipline. So, yeah, if you, you know, like, and you mentioned before that, like, you were doing things that you weren't doing at Wake Forest. and For like, sure. And averaging points. It, it's crazy that just the playing time you're able to get and what it opens up the doors for you to do and you actually can prove your skill set and how great of a player yeah. you actually are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I tell players this all the time, man. It's like you may not get the opportunities you want, but when you do get the opportunity, you have to go at it like it's your last because, you know, people are going to be like, oh, wow, we didn't see much of him, but we like what we did see. So that carries a lot of weight in almost every profession that you do. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And you took full advantage of being able to take that advantage. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. What was it like playing in Portugal? You won the championship out there. What was that feeling like? Oh, man. Portugal Portugal might be one of my favorite countries I played in, man. Um, it was uh, – it's a beautiful place. Lisbon, oh, my God. Um, it's right there on the water. so diverse. Food's great. The culture is great. And when you play for a team like Benfica in Portugal – you're basically looked at as like a king. Like, um, I know, like, um, oh, football, well, soccer is, you know, global, is worldwide, and, you know, it's probably the number one sport in the world. And Benfica is traditionally one of the best teams ever, you know, in Europe. Um, they have probably, I think, with their um, fan supporters and boosters and their worldwide network, they probably have the biggest in the world. Um, even though, then you might have big clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona and, you know, those guys like that. I think the overall reach of Benfica is greater than all those guys. That's crazy. So, you know, you're playing for a team like that, man, and you're in that city, you know, they're filling up football stadiums. It's just unbelievable, man. Everybody knows who you are and you're winning games. Um, But contrary to how popular – the brand of Benfica is nobody comes to the basketball games. Really? <laughs> Absolutely nobody. That's crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. 
<laughs> That's going to be a weird too. feeling. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like you you go watch a Champions League game. You're watching them play, you know, Bentus or you're watching them play like, you know, these Premier League teams and they're selling out like this stadium that has like, you know, 60,000 people in it. And then you come to our basketball game a couple hours after that, and you might have two or 300. Jeez. And you're like, wait a minute. Why couldn't they just walk over here? <laughs> <laughs> but no, they just keep walking past it. But I do think um, the atmosphere kind of changed in Portugal when the economic crisis hit Europe. Um, oh. Like uh, it was a really big league beforehand, had a lot of good money, big sponsors. But um, now, uh, especially then and even more so now, Benfica and maybe Porto are the only teams with like bigger budgets that can bring a good brand of basketball. So we kind of just beat up on everybody. Uh, so <laughs> people are like, all right, I'm not coming to the game. They're going to win by 30 anyway, which, you know, that was uh, that was kind of a cool thing where you're on a loaded team. and You're just beating up on people. But at the same time, it was kind of boring at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to say it was an easy championship, but. We were expected to win. We didn't. We didn't get any bonuses for winning. It was. It was in the contract. Like, no, you're supposed to win, <laughs> basically. But you know, there's even even though the competition wasn't the greatest, there's nothing like saying you know you did win a championship with a group of guys. Um, you do have to string along, you know, some consistency and play good basketball. And you know, you put the medal around your neck and you lift the trophy, man. And you know, you're part of like. Portuguese basketball history, especially Benfica history. Um, you know, we win, we won many cups, um, tournaments, and things as things you can never, they can never take from you, man. And it was, it was truly memorable for me. That's that's I pretty sweet. It. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, an awesome, man. awesome feeling, but that's crazy. That you guys just beat the crap out of everyone. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It, it, I hate to say it, man, but the referees were kind of cheap. Really? <laughs> yeah, like if we would get up too much, like yeah, they would just start calling fouls to kind of like muddy the game up. Jesus. Like I think we lost a game or two like that. Like it was just it was just it's just unfair. It was like what are you doing? Like because they were saying like it's more of a headline for them to say that Benfica got uns- upset than to say they beat somebody by 40 points. Yeah, that's so, true. It makes more of a Yeah, I don't think they were taking money to like throw the game or anything like that, but they would they would really officiate it very very loosely or very very tight into the favor of the other teams sometimes, and that'd be kind of frustrating. But you know, we 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 pulled it out, man. <laughs> that's awesome. And then you go to after that, you go back to Poland, and then. For your second stint over there? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, after that season, let's just say I probably, I didn't make, let's say, a bad decision with some of the teams that I picked. Mm-hmm. But um, just you have to be very strategic of where you go and which leagues at the right time. Yeah. Um, because let's say after I left, um, when I was in Poland, uh, my first time, um, I actually had uh, some interest from one of the top teams there for the following year, but um, the negotiations kind of dragged. I was getting some uh, some interest from Germany, um, a very good um, organization there, um, 
and they were, you know, they were, they were right on board. They were trying to get the deal done. And I think I got caught up in, you know, let's go to Germany and, you know, they're sponsored by Land Rover. I get to drive an Autobahn and <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. And, you know, and then the team in Poland was just kind of dragging their feet a little bit. And I ended up going to Germany and it was just, it was a bad situation there. It was toxic. Um, we didn't really have, you know, the strongest roster. They fired the coach. I ended up getting fired because they brought in a new coach. He cleaned house and I had to stumble and kind of save my season and play in Ukraine. Difficult situation there. I didn't really fit in there. Stats were kind of bad. So I ended up going to Benfica to kind of like, you know, get back on track, you know. Yeah. But people were wondering, like, why are you playing in Portugal in this this very low level league? And you're only averaging like nine points and like six rebounds. They're like, you should be killing it. Well, they didn't realize that we had a very, very good team. We had a Euro Cup roster. So we had, I don't know, eight or nine quality players. We had six national team players. It was just not enough balls to go around. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, I'm doing what I can, but it was just no way on that, on that team I was going to average big, big points. Yeah. So um, that following summer, um, negotiations, man, were, were terrible. Like, they were just like, hey, you averaged nine points in Portugal we're not giving you X amount of dollars and you can't play here. You can't do this. So, um, and I had to switch agents as well. Um, my agent at the time, he, um, he actually got the director of scouting job for the Denver nuggets. So it was a conference conflict of interest. So he had to give up his clients and things. So I'm kind of scrambling and, um, a team, um, you know, in Poland, um, they knew me from the first time I had played and they took a chance on me and I kind of, kind of saved um kind of saved my uh my progress a little bit man and, um, yeah i ended up going back <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy i mean that's good for you too that's scary too when you like i mean oh I've my gosh stories, yeah i've heard stories too that if you end up on like something bad or something like that they look at that and they and you end up like you're not gonna be able to play again or you end up you know your career could be over with so that's for that's, sure that's gonna be a wild feeling too to lose your agent and everything too on top of that Oh yeah, man. It's um this basketball thing, man, you gotta think it's a business. Yeah. Um if you make a couple wrong decisions or things just don't kinda go your way and they're out of your control, man, that can really like that can really mess up your mind, man. Um, you know, I'm I'm sitting there, you know, waiting for these calls to come in from teams and my phone's not ringing. I'm like, man, I'm a hell of a player. Yeah. I've had a good career up to here. Like people vouch for me, but you know, stats are what make money over here, man. You gotta, you gotta have something on paper that they can look at and be like, all right, you know. Well, they can look at the video and see your skill set, but they'll use the stats against you to be like, well, he only did this, so we're not gonna pay him that. And yeah, that's the that's the hard part of the business, you that's know. But yeah, I ended up going back to Poland, man. It was a familiar place, and you know, less um, less transition, and yeah end up having another solid season there as well nice yeah and then you went to turkey and then you like averaged you, you had like <laughs> you came out of the shell you were averaging 18 points nine eight nine rebounds so how was that i was playing in turkey yeah, man it's um i would like to say that was like the biggest transition of like my career um because prior to me going to turkey i was still kind of 
trying to shake the Wake Forest stigma of how I play basketball. Yeah. Um, people had always kind of looked at me as a a back to basket power dunker. You know, um, just a low post kind of player that can run the floor and it was very athletic. But it kind of they kind of knew I could shoot and do more, but they were kind of scared to let me do it or they didn't recruit me based on those attributes. So um, with my new agent, he kind of marketed me as, oh, this guy can do much more than what you're thinking. He can't he can do more than just catch and dunk or, you know, just do hook shots. And um, there was a coach that took a chance um, in Turkey, a very, very good market, um, very good basketball. And he's an offensive guy. I mean, he's kind of like a Mike D'Antoni, man. He's just like, go out there and play, make the, make the scoreboard ring. And he kind of just said, hey, man, you go out here and play your game. And it's an interesting league because you only have two Americans on the team. So you have a point guard. I had a uh, brilliant point guard, Marcus Hall from University of Colorado. Yeah. Um, Man, he's floor general. He had played in the league many years. He knew how to get me involved. And yeah, man, I just I just kind of took the reins off and just said, hey, I'm shooting threes. I'm, I'm driving. I'm dunking. It was just like the perfect fit for me, man. And yeah, I exploded, man. I, I, my stash just went through the roof. I finally just kind of like had free reign to kind of show everything that I could do in my game. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm like, as I look at your stats, I'm seeing like between the Turkey and playing in Israel that you're like, your stats like just jumped up to like, you're averaging around like the 16, 17 point per game. And, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was for most of that first season in Turkey, I was around 20, 20 a game until like, I think the last few playoff games kind of hurt my average a little bit. But yeah, I was, I was at 20 a game around 10 rebounds. I was playing very well, man. We had a good team too, really well. And what's a what is like? What, I know, like Turkey's a high league for basketball. What what's it like over there to play over there and in Israel too? Um, let's say with Turkey, Turkey is a lot different than what you would see on CNN. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, because you know, with the political environment, you know, that we have at home, you know, we think, oh, you know, Turkey's a you know, a Muslim country, they hate the U.S., they're all terrorists and all this stuff. I'm telling you right now, man, Turkey is the most beautiful country I've ever played in. They have beautiful people. Those people are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Really? Like, they are, I don't care what religion, you know, there might be. It's not in your face. It's not like, um, people, when they think of like Islam, they think of like Saudi Arabia, people covered up and, you know, yeah. women can't do this and women can't do that. And guys are, you know, totally dictators and all that stuff. And guys are going to the mosque and praying, you know, six times a day and you have to do it. No, no. Turkey's a very open country, man. Like, um, people just go around to handle their business, man. And they love food and they love sports and, um, they love kids, so it was beautiful for my family. They love my wife and kids, man. Um, oh, it's awesome. It's um, yeah, man. They um, very courteous everywhere you go. People have manners, and they um, they wait on you hand and foot when if you need help. Um, it's it's completely different to what you might see on the news. Now, now, <laughs> it does have a flip side to it, though, where. 
when I was there, they did have um, some internal kind of conflict where they wanted to overthrow the the president that they have. And yeah, they set off some bombs and stuff. It's a very, very polarizing political country where you have an old regime that, you know, has some old values and things. And you have this new regime that came in into power and he's trying to erase all the previous things. So you have like a younger generation that thinks one way, older generation that takes another, you know, view and they're just clashing. But other than, you know, that, that short little stint of violence, I have never personally seen anything that was kind of like, Oh my God, that's so scary. Yeah. Now, if you can if you want to talk about Israel, <laughs> Israel is different where um there's such a mix of like religion and things and you can smell it in the air there's just a tension um it's like a when you're in tel aviv and you're walking around and you're looking at all the beaches and you're partying and it's good food and basically everybody speaks english there it's like a great comfortable environment there's like this cloud kind of like hovering over the country like this is kind of an active war zone here jeez um, you know, and you're going to, we played in Jerusalem where we played against, you know, Maris Sotomayor and things. And, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't want to, you want to go take in the Holy land. You want to go see these things, but you know, you can't go out there, you know, just willy nilly. You, you, there's, there could be something that, you know, pops off. Um, I remember playing, um, I was on my way to, uh, the bus cause we had an away game and my phone rings, and uh, they say, well, you can go home if you want to. Um, the game is canceled. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Hey, the game ain't canceled. You <laughs> uh, guys are just trying to find me or something. I don't know. But it's like, no, no, there's a missile strike that's supposed to happen um, in the area that we're going to go. Um, it's a big sporting event, so it could be a target. Oh, wow. I'm just like, nah. They're like, no, for real, you need to go home and get into your safe room in your house. Um, if you hear any bomb or missile sirens, just ignore it. It's everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and oh they're just so nonchalant and so cool about it. I'm like, you're talking about bombs and missiles. Are you kidding me right now? I <laughs> <laughs> would be freaking out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm just here to play basketball. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, um, it was real though. I was sitting there in my house. I turned on the news and yeah, they, they saw it off some missiles, um, you know, on the Palestine side and, yeah, man, it, it was a real deal. I was like, man, I thought Turkey was bad. Like, they ain't got nothing on this. Damn, that's crazy. That's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, every everybody, every house there has a safe room, which is basically like, kind of like, if you live in Oklahoma, you probably have like a, a room in your house that you know is in the middle of your house just in case a tornado comes. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an inner, it's an inner, I don't know, it might be a bedroom in the middle of your house or something like that that's surrounded by four walls. It's kind of thicker just in case something was to, you know, go down. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's, how many times have you, how many times do you have to use that? Um, Just twice. Oh. <laughs> just twice. <laughs> but yeah, it was that night. Um, They told us to stay there. And then um, there was some, a little bit of uh, unrest uh, a couple weeks after that. And yeah. yeah, had to go there. But, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you're not scared, but you're just kind of nervous. Like, yo, this could really just explode over here. And you turn on CNN and, you know, you see, you know, news conferences, press releases, you know, you got Trump talking about certain issues and things. And you're like, man, this could really escalate into something. Yeah, that's scary. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Um, besides that, <laughs> you know, uh, what, you know, before you go over to Japan, you know, what were your favorite moments before you ended up into where you are now? Like, do you have a favorite team or a moment that you played for? Oh man. Um, uh, man, it, I have to kind of go back to like the, the days I was in, um, in Portugal, man. Yeah. Like, even though, you know, it wasn't the greatest league and stuff like we had a, we had a good group of guys, um, you know, just the, the buzz in the city and just around the team and everybody knowing you and, you know, it's a great city to be in, man. Um, it was, it was just a great overall experience, man. We won a championship and, I mean, I can finally say, like, I, I ended the season on a high note where I won the last game, we lifted the trophy, I'm coming home, and I'm feeling good. And, yeah, man, I, I had an overall just great experience. Um, you know, my wife, uh, she got to visit a few times. At that time, we were just dating and stuff, and she really enjoyed it there. And Yeah, man, that was probably, like, my favorite, like, overall season. Um, that, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, so now, how did you end up in Japan and uh, playing for the team you're playing for currently? Well, um, <laughs> Japan, um, I I probably had told myself beforehand, like, I'm not going to Japan uh, <laughs> because, oh, it's too far away. You know, all they eat is sushi, you know, just the stereotypical nonsense that people that never been there just don't know. Yeah. But uh, I had actually had the opportunity to come to Japan um, before going to Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, the the coach of my team in Lithuania, um, he had actually taken a job here with a very, very good team here in Japan. And he had called me and said, hey, do you want to come to Japan? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's like, no, no, it's not what you think. And um, but I'll explain it to you a little bit later and things. He had to run and he had to, you know, do some contract negotiations and things. And um, yeah, it just didn't work out, let's say, contract wise. Uh, so I ended up going into Portugal and he calls me like two or three days after I signed to Portugal. And he's like, hey, what about Japan? And I'm like, oh, sorry, coach, you know, I, I'm thinking. I didn't really want to go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so um, after uh, I had a strong season in Turkey, uh, my agent uh, actually got um, a lot of calls from uh, some teams over here. One in particular, um, Shiga Lake Stars, my first team here. And um, they're like, yeah, man, no, we're really interested in you. They've been, they watched me when I played in Poland and they wanted me then. Um, but it wasn't the right move at that point in my career. Didn't want to leave Europe to go to Asia at that point. Yeah. And I think the major deciding factor was that I'm sitting there, um, with my wife and my son watching the news. Um, and I see tanks going through the streets of Istanbul in Turkey. And that's when they had the uh, military coup. And that was right after they had uh, the terrorist attack in the airport. Oh, wow. And I was, you know, I'm looking at them like, yo, I've I've been through there a million times. Like, I know exactly where that is. They had a bomb in Taxum Square in Istanbul. It was just too crazy at the moment. I'm like, I got a new, I got a new baby. I don't need to be going back. And I had like two offers from team in Istanbul. 
one in Ankara, which is the capital. I'm like, oh hell no, I'm not going to the capital. Like that's that's where they're definitely going to do something bad. So yeah, yeah, I think just with safety and things, I said, you know what, let's go ahead and try this Japan thing. They were creating a new league over here that had a lot of earning potential and a lot of um, a lot of exposure potential. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna try this uh, Japan thing, man. And uh, little did I know, it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. How now? What's it like? You know, you played for the Komodo Bolters. Is that? How you... Yep. Yeah. And what? So, what's it like playing in Japan? Like, what is the fan base like? Are they big basketball fans out there? Um. Well, over here, baseball is king. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, that's uh, that's always going to be something that they gravitate to, um, and of course, they like soccer as well. But when it comes to basketball. It's kind of growing because um, the the Japanese really know how to market and you know put a lot of you know publicity around the league. So everywhere you go, you see your face on posters. They're um, they're doing fundraisers. They're doing booster events. They're doing autograph signings. They're you're on TV. They they put you on T-shirts and I mean they kind of just flood your area with all this memorabilia and, and it's unbelievable. Like I. You don't really see that in Europe. Europe, you kind of have like a, a nostalgia around the local team. People just know about it and there's tradition and, you know, they have a lot of pride about it. So they really don't need to market. People are going to come to the games whether, you know, whether they, they market or not. Yeah. But here it's more of a business model. Um, the I mean, with Kumamoto, man, we probably have the best fans in the league, man. These guys – they get it rocking in there. We fill it up. I mean, it's not as big as like a, a Wake Forest stadium or anything like that, but it's about 6,000 in there, man. And they're, they're cheering after every single basket. Now, granted, I will have to say it, and I hope they don't kill me for saying it. I don't know if they really understand all the rules of basketball. Yeah. They just know if it goes in, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you might, we have very dedicated fans and I don't know if that's because they really love us or they just don't really know, but you might lose by 20 points and they are still giving you high fives after the game. They're, they're still willing to take pictures with you. They give you gifts. And I'm like, do you guys just know that we just lost four in a row? And we just, lost by 20? <laughs> just dropped off. A bunch of games. Yeah. yeah. So it's an unbelievable experience, man. They make you feel very welcome. Um, you know the Kumamoto fans, man. They're they're unbelievable. They they stop you in the convenience stores, and the kids want to come up and say hello to you. And man, it's a it's a really cool environment that you may not only experience unless you're on a really big popular team in Europe. Yeah. You know? So it sounds like you're like rock star status almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know it's kind of um, they, you know we don't. They don't see many people our size walking around like a 6'10 guy walking down the street. They're like, what in the world is he doing here? <laughs> you know, so they already kind of look at you a little differently and they want to get to know you and and things. But everybody's really nice, man. And um, it's, it's a great place to play basketball. The basketball in general is a little bit different as far as like tactic and technique and style. But um, they make it very, very comfortable for you here um, in most situations. So. That's awesome. And what's it like, you know, how's your season going so far out there? 
Well, we are a little bit up and down, man. We um, This team here the last two or three years have made it to the finals, and they kind of dropped the ball. <laughs> they uh, This is a second division team, so if you win the championship, you move up to the first division. Yeah. Uh, and they've kind of had home court advantage. They've been up in the playoffs, and they just – kind of fumbled it away and they haven't been able to get it done. But, um, you know, we're one of the favorites here to actually, um, you know, maybe promote, but it's going to be a dog fight because other teams have invested big money, big sponsors, got good players, man. Um, there's a big influx of uh, high level European players that are making their way over to Japan as well. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that's, um, I think that's a little bit of a consequence of the European market is really crashing. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of money in some of the leagues that there used to be in Europe. Um, there's a lot of payment problems, a lot of unprofessionalism. So Japan doesn't have any of that. There's a lot of money here, strong economy, very professional. Um, so guys are kind of gravitating to come into a very stable league. So it's even trickling all the way down to the second and third divisions here. Like you have good, you have good players in every in every league um and every team but we um you know we're i think we're three and five right now or three and four um you know we we have a very talented team but if we play to our potential man i don't i really don't see anybody being able to compete that's um, with us that's awesome though yeah hopefully you guys i know hopefully you guys can get a good good rattle off yeah. some win streaks and you know make it make it to the big leagues Oh yeah, man. That's uh it's a long season, man. We string a couple couple weekends. We kind of look at it as like your weekend tournaments. You gotta go two and oh, two and oh, two and oh. Yeah. You know. At the very worst, you gotta go one and one. You can't go oh and two. So we can just kind of string some along, man, and kind of rally a little bit. I mean, um, the sky's the limit for us, man. We got a good group of guys and uh they make it they make it nice to come to work every day. I've been in situations where you kind of dread rolling out of the bed and going to play basketball just because you know you know maybe you don't like your teammates there's a bad you know bad organization or you know we don't have that here man we have a good group of guys that are focused and good coaching good good import players good local players it's uh it makes it makes you enjoy your job man it really does that's awesome and that makes it easier and you makes you just enjoy the game a little bit more yeah man because with with this uh overseas basketball grind man you can you can lose your your passion sometime, you know, just not because you don't like basketball. You get kind of tired of the other things outside of the gym, you know, the the politics of it, the economics of it, the business side of it. And uh, it does take a wear and tear on you over, you know, over time. But if you enjoy coming to the gym and you don't have to worry about external problems, man, it makes you really bring the joy back to basketball again. That's a nice feeling too, because then you, like you said, the business side of it can probably ruin it. And we for sure, you get teammates that you don't really get to click with because you're either there for a year and you guys don't really get to know each other as well. That's, mm -hmm. that's a tough. That's a tough thing. But at least you're yeah, enjoying man. it now, and like I'm happy for you, man. I'm actually so now I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours for coming on here. So oh man, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on here, man. Of I course. love uh, I love being able to to share some of the stuff that I've been through over here man and I, I really thank you for having interest in wanting to hear what i had to say man yeah yeah man you're very well spoken and like you have some great 
interesting stories and traveling. So I got to ask you one more question before we wrap it up, though. What's up? What's your favorite food that you've had experienced while you're out there? Of like in any place that you've been. Oh, any place I've been? Yeah. (laughs) Man. Uh, My uh, my trainers are probably not going to like my answer, but when you're in Turkey, man, if you can get fresh baklava, Oh yeah, it is some of the greatest things you'll ever taste, ever. <laughs> like, man, it's it, I don't know, it's like a just a pastry dripping with syrup, and you might have some ice cream on the side. Man, it's so oh. it's so tempting to go there after practice, and you're like, man, I can't put on no weight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, Turkish food in general is good, but if you can have a good batch of baklava after your dinner, man, and that that kind of trumps everything. I've kind of i've kind of had over the years man it's something that i kind of long for i was talking to a, a teammate teammate of mine yesterday and that was the first thing he said he was like do you want me to send you some i'm like man i don't think it's going to survive that trip but i wish you could man <laughs> that would be awesome i had the way you described it i was like it makes me want to have that for breakfast I mean. <laughs> oh my god it's like it's like I almost long for that as much as I long for Krispy Kreme donuts. So. Oh, man. <laughs> you can send you some of those. I don't know how long they'll last. But... <laughs> I even actually have them here. They have them in, uh, <laughs> they have them in uh, a couple of uh, cities here. Oh, it's awesome. That's, I wish you get those. <laughs> oh, my God. I best believe when I get to those cities, like, I think in, uh, in Nagoya, like, it's in some random train station in the center in this lonely corner. And they're only open for a couple of hours. But you best believe when we play in Nagoya, I'm getting there somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and this is super expensive, but I don't even care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're sending some to go get some if you can't make it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough, David, for coming on and telling your story. And, and you have some interesting stories, especially, you know, playing against your idol, Amari Stoudemire. And, oh, man. <laughs> top team in the Wake Forest and traveling all over across the world. That's got to be some cool stuff. You've experienced some cool things. And, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm actually going to I'm gonna look online to see if I can find a Voltage jersey. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> hey, man, I think uh, I might be able to find one, man. I can When I get home, I can send it to you. Or I can try to send it from here, man. Yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah, yeah, they got – hey, in Japan, they have a lot of memorabilia. So I think That's- I should be able to find something. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and then if I ever catch myself in Japan, which I really want to go, I'm going to I'm gonna have to come to a game of yours. Oh, yeah, man. Put it on your bucket list, man. Japan is a country you – everyone should have to visit Japan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, on my, it's definitely on my list. It's a little yeah. far, but it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but – all right, David. Well, I appreciate your time and everything and making time for me, and I'm glad we were able to do this. And, you know, I hope you have a, a great rest of your day, and I will be paying attention to the season. Actually, do you know where I can watch the games or for listeners can catch the um, games? Yeah, you can actually uh, watch it. Um, there's a link. Um, it's called bleague.jp. That's basically basketballleague.jp for Japan. Okay. Uh, on there, um, you might have to use Google Chrome uh, for it to translate, um, but there's a link where you can actually, um, uh, I think you might have to buy a, a subscription if you're not in Japan, but you can stream all of the games from all three leagues, um, B1, B2, maybe some B3. And uh, if you don't mind the time difference, man, they uh, they stream them live. So 
Yeah, I'll definitely, you'll definitely catch me watching one. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. Uh, B League.jp. Yeah. All right, I got, I got that. So, all right, I'm definitely gonna watch them. Cool, man. <laughs> all right, all right, David. We'll have a good rest of your day and good luck the rest of the season. All right, thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right. All right.